Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we dive into the insightful world of hackers and painters, written by the renowned British programmer and venture capitalist, Paul Graham. This book takes us on an exploratory journey, where Graham presents an intriguing correlation between computer programming and creative artistry. He takes a closer look at the creative nature of programming, the languages that are the tools of the trade, and how these skilled hackers, akin to skilled painters, have the potential to amass vast wealth. Hackers and Painters is a thought-provoking read that transcends boundaries. It is not just for hackers or computer enthusiasts, but also for entrepreneurs, CEOs, business professionals, and anyone with a great idea who dreams of founding a startup. As a co-founder of the startup ViaWeb, that sold to Yahoo and evolved into Yahoo Store, Graham brings a wealth of real-world experience and credibility to his analysis. Join us as we delve into the pages of hackers and painters, unraveling the stimulating interplay of creativity, technology, and business presented by Paul Graham. Hackers and Painters, Big Ideas from the Computer Age Introduction Unlock the enigma of your tech-savvy friends and colleagues. Often, the world of computer programming is perceived as a dull, analytical realm by those who stand outside it. However, if you've ever dabbled in coding, you'd know that this realm is anything but boring. It's a fertile ground for creativity, much like a canvas waiting for an artist's brush. As an artist passionately crafts a work of art, so does an exceptional programmer strive to create extraordinary digital constructs fueled by an unbounded realm of potentialities. And this is just one instance of the many misconceptions that non-programmers harbor about coders. Sure, they might not be the epitome of fashion or the life of the party, but their seemingly quirky behavior often stems from their indifference to societal norms a trait that mirrors their intelligence. This very non-conformity, a subtle defiance to the established ways of life, makes them excellent at programming and acts as a catalyst for innovative ideas. In this journey ahead, you're about to unravel. The essence of programming languages and the reason behind their staggering variety. The intriguing reasons that made the motives of computer hackers an enigma to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and why embarking on a journey to learn coding might just be your golden ticket to an extravagant fortune. Part 1. Intersecting the seemingly disparate worlds of fashion, morality, and nerds. What resemblance could fashion and morality possibly bear to each other? Upon first glance, it might seem like a far-fetched comparison, but delve a little deeper and you'd realize that both are closely tied to the constraints of time and geography. It's rather evident how fashion is a creature of its time. One glance at the photographs from the 1990s, and you're bound to appreciate how much our taste has evolved since then. Similarly, if you were to explore the fashion scene in a foreign land, say, Japan, the distinctive trends there might leave you amazed. In a rather surprising revelation, morality too, is susceptible to the whims of time and location. 
This moral fluctuation manifests itself across a broad spectrum of ethical issues, the kind of treatment we deem acceptable for our fellow humans, the values that we hold dear, and so on. Consider this, the moral fabric of the German society during World War II starkly contrasted with the values cherished by the citizens of contemporary Germany. Hence, both fashion and morality are akin to chameleons, constantly adapting to their surroundings. Now, can you think of a certain group in our society that remains blissfully oblivious to these ever-changing trends? You guessed it, the nerds, those intellectually robust individuals who might lack a knack for social interactions. These individuals dedicate their time and energy to broadening their intellectual horizons, unbothered by the societal conventions of fashion, because being trendy isn't their prime objective. This mindset of theirs is evident in various instances, be it the colleague who dons the same neon denim jacket day after day for years, or their tendency to be unaffected by fluctuating moral norms. Consequently, nerds often find themselves being sidelined by their peers, especially during their high school years when popularity is often gauged by one's ability to keep up with the prevailing fashion and moral trends. However, once they venture beyond the microcosm of high school into the real world, where being trendy no longer holds the same significance, nerds find themselves thriving quite effortlessly. Part 2. Decoding the parallels between computer hackers and artists. When you hear the term hacker, what image materializes in your mind? Most likely, you envision a stoic individual engrossed in illegally infiltrating computer systems through a meticulous analytical process. Next, imagine an artist, perhaps a painter. This might bring forth the image of a fervent creator, bestowing upon a canvas the colorful hues of their emotions. Time to debunk a couple of common misconceptions. In the realm of computer science, a hacker denotes a remarkable programmer with versatile skills, not essentially a lawbreaker. Moreover, the art of hacking demands a deeply creative mind, much more akin to a painter than a mathematician. Indeed, hackers and painters share striking similarities as both seek solutions through the generation of concepts rather than their implementation. Drawing from personal experience, the author recalls being instructed to meticulously work out computer code on paper before transcribing it into the system. However, he discovered a more artistic approach to be significantly effective, diving straight into code writing and resolving issues as they cropped up. This mirrored the creative process of a painter who often initiates their piece with a simple sketch and evolves it, rather than meticulously planning the entire work from the start. Yet another common ground between hackers and artists is that their works bear abstract values, which defy quantification through conventional tests or media coverage. The ultimate measure of such creative endeavors lies in their ability to resonate with their audience. For software, its worth is determined by its capacity to fulfill the user's requirements, while the value of an artwork is gauged by the pleasure it brings to its beholders. The author's journey into the realms of art and computer science enabled him to unearth these commonalities. Despite graduating with a degree in computer science, his subsequent foray into art school illuminated the remarkable likeness between the two fields. Both aim towards the fundamental objective, the creation of excellent, meaningful work. Part 3 the rebellion in hackers fuels their excellence. One would typically associate successful computer programming 
with a staunch adherence to rules and norms? Wouldn't straying from conventions result in a multitude of errors? However, stepping into the shoes of a hacker often calls for a slight deviation from the rules. This resembles the learning curve in any profession, where you gain insights from the work of the preceding pioneers. But if you aspire to delve deeper, you might find yourself needing to overstep some legal boundaries, given that the works that pique your interest could well be shielded by intellectual property rights. Hackers harbor an intense intellectual fascination with current technologies, such as avant-garde software. To study it, they might need to trespass into another person's computer system, an act that could be illegal. This lands hackers in the category of criminals, even though their illicit activities are more likely driven by curiosity than any desire to pilfer. In the initial stages of categorizing computer infiltration as a crime, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, faced significant challenges. The main motive behind a hacker's actions, intellectual curiosity, was a new and unfamiliar motive to the agency. You might now be pondering whether hackers should simply comply with the law. Interestingly, it is this very spirit of rebellion that enhances their competence. How so? Rebellion entails challenging authority, be it the government or experts in a given field. This act of questioning established notions paves the way for innovation, a vital component of effective programming. Most hackers, also recognized as nerds, are intelligent individuals who show little concern for social norms, making them proficient in questioning everything around them. They are not just critics, but innovators who work towards enhancing existing systems. In the ensuing sections, we'll unravel how these rebellious nerds channel their genius to generate substantial wealth. Part 4. Why starting your own business is a fast track to prosperity, and there's no harm in that. The idea of building a company around an innovative concept has crossed the minds of many. However, if you're gifted in programming, it's more than just a thought. It's a feasible reality you should strive for. Why, you ask? Because establishing a startup is indeed one of the quickest routes to accumulating wealth. In a large corporation, your salary plateau no matter how hard you put your nose to the grindstone. On the contrary, as a startup founder, your relentless effort directly contributes to your company's success, which in turn increases the likelihood of a substantial payout. The author's experience validates this. Together with his co-founders, they devoted many hours to their online shopping application, ViaWeb, which eventually sold for millions. Critics may argue that this intention is misplaced, and the dynamic of wealth accumulation by the already rich is a flawed system. However, the concentration of wealth is not only equitable, but it also benefits all. But why is that? We must first differentiate between wealth and money. Wealth comprises objects of desire, while money is merely a medium for trading these assets. Understanding this distinction clarifies that wealth is not a zero-sum game. It can be created without subtracting from others' wealth. For instance, if you restore a vintage car in your leisure time, you're generating new wealth without depriving others of theirs. Therefore, the notion of wealth being finite and hoarded by the wealthy is a misconception. Moreover, isn't it plausible that the wealthiest individuals, CEOs, professional athletes, etc., 
have worked more diligently and productively than others, thereby rightfully earning their wealth. For example, if founding your startup demands 10 times more effort than a typical corporate job, isn't it fair to yield 10 times the income? Especially when this endeavor results in a product that everyone can enjoy and benefit from. Part 5. Your product's success, and by extension your company's, hinges on the end user's approval. As previously touched on, hackers, akin to painters, must cater to their audience, in this case, the end user. Therefore, when you embark on your entrepreneurial journey and begin crafting your product, the user must hold the prime position in your scheme of things. Primarily, you ought to develop and launch a prototype of your product as swiftly as possible, enabling valuable feedback from genuine users. This approach, aptly known as worse is better, advocates the early release of even a basic prototype, as it garners critical feedback that allows for rectification of flaws and refinement of the product to better address user needs. A testament to this methodology's effectiveness comes from a rather unexpected source, the renowned author Jane Austen. Austen routinely read her books aloud to her family before finalizing them, incorporating their input. They served as the initial users of her prototype. Suppose you succeed in creating a product that aligns with users' requirements and interests. In that case, the likelihood of them buying it increases significantly. No amount of sophisticated add-ons will matter if the product fails to fulfill users' core needs. For instance, imagine designing a chair that looks stunning but is dreadfully uncomfortable. Would anyone buy it? Highly unlikely. Attracting users hinges on catering to their needs and the more users you have, the more your company flourishes. This forms a virtuous cycle. Revenue from users can be reinvested to further enhance your product, thereby drawing in even more users. Moreover, potential acquirers of your company will base its valuation on your user count. An app with a user base of 100,000 will naturally attract more potential buyers than an app with a mere 300 users. Part 6. Diverse programming languages exist for specific purposes, and they continually evolve over time. C++, Python, Java. You've likely encountered programmers showcasing their coding fluency in a variety of languages. These are the programming languages through which they instruct computers. However, computers don't inherently understand these languages. They only comprehend machine language comprising specific arrangements of ones and zeros that dictate the computer's actions. Therefore, programmers require a compiler to translate the programming language into machine language. This might prompt the question, why are there numerous programming languages? Simply put, different programming languages are optimized for varying tasks. Analogous to human languages, it can be easier to convey certain ideas in one language compared to another. For instance, if you intend to instruct your computer to add variable y to variable x, you can accomplish it in two lines of code using Lisp, whereas Perl necessitates four lines. Occasionally, the concepts required for your program might be absent in your chosen language, forcing you to either switch languages or devise a workaround in the initial language. For example, attempting to add y to x in Python would be problematic as Python doesn't fully acknowledge such variables. Consequently, 
you'd need a workaround, which would entail writing six lines of code in this scenario. The existence of a plethora of languages can be attributed to these nuances, but the field is far from static. Current languages continually evolve and new ones are frequently developed. This is because programmers design languages tailored to their individual preferences and necessities. Prior to the 1980s, this was unfeasible, as programming languages were exclusively developed by institutions and large corporations. Nowadays, the necessary technology is affordable to everyone, enabling the adaptation and development of existing programming languages and even the creation of new ones. Part 7. Effective programming languages are sculpted with finesse and tailored to meet a hacker's requirements. Suppose you examined 1,000 paintings, categorizing them into good and bad. Your judgment would obviously rest upon your individual taste. The same principle applies to hackers, distinguishing between commendable and subpar programming languages. They value aesthetic appeal in the languages they utilize, and as they progress in their programming journey, their taste evolves too. For instance, if you've crafted your own programming language and then, after a few years, release an updated version, it's almost certain to be superior to its predecessor. This is because your original capabilities wouldn't have been sufficient to match the quality of the updated version, and your taste would have also enhanced over time. So what characterizes a good programming language? One that fulfills a hacker's requirements. For example, if a language is overly complex or restrictive, hackers would simply opt for an alternative. However, if a language effectively meets the demands of hackers, it would gain popularity, leading hackers to adopt it and further refine it. Hence, good languages inevitably improve over time, as hackers voluntarily endeavor to identify and rectify any bugs. Open source languages like Perl and Python perfectly exemplify this dynamic. Originally, individuals privately devised them, but they were subsequently made available to the public, enabling any interested party to modify and enhance them. Part 8. While popular programming languages are generally favored by businesses, sometimes less common ones could offer them a competitive advantage. If you're not a programmer and aim to establish a business that involves programming, you probably would be uncertain about the ideal programming language for your organization. So, how should non-programmers, such as business managers and project leaders, decide the coding language for their programmers? Typically, businesses gravitate towards popular, widely used languages. This preference stems from the fact that a program crafted in a commonly used language is likely to be compatible with numerous other programs written in the same language. Another motivation is that companies find it simpler to recruit programmers proficient in popular languages. This can occasionally be a critical aspect. If you've hired someone to script a program in an obscure language like Lisp and she abruptly resigns, you'll find yourself in a serious predicament. Finding a suitable replacement might be nearly impossible, potentially compelling you to abandon the entire project. As companies predominantly seek coders skilled in popular languages, it ensures that more hackers utilize them as opposed to obscure ones. However, favoring popular languages also brings along certain drawbacks. Considering that specific programming languages are optimized for particular tasks, 
Compelling programmers to employ a popular language universally could mean you're not maximizing your product's performance. Chances are, your competitors are facing the same issue. If you decided to transition to a more suitable language, you could acquire a significant advantage. Furthermore, your rivals would no longer be able to gauge your position based on their own, as your products would be built on entirely different technical platforms. The author mirrored this strategy when he developed ViaWeb using the lesser-known language Lisp, which handed him a technical edge and left his competitors puzzled about his exact approach. Part 9. You could potentially curtail the influx of spam emails if you so desired. It's been stated before that a competent hacker can accomplish almost anything. One intriguing example revolves around tackling a persistent issue that you're probably quite familiar with. Spam. That incessant surge of unsought advertisements that inundate your inbox. So, if you're a hacker exasperated by spam, how might you address it? you'd likely devise a few diverse strategies. Firstly, you could tackle the problem by scrutinizing the unique attributes of spam emails. For instance, many spam emails kick off with phrases like, dear friend, so you could script a piece of code that automatically redirects all messages initiating with this phrase to your spam folder. Secondly, you could utilize statistical filtering, wherein every word in an incoming email would be scrutinized with the computer calculating the likelihood of the message being spam. Subsequently, the computer would transfer probable culprits to your spam folder. Yet, perhaps the most effective solution would be to personalize this statistical approach, rescuing certain messages from the spam folder, despite statistics suggesting they might be spam. For example, the author determined any messages containing the word LISP to be non-spam, as numerous legitimate emails pertaining to the programming language included this word. He also deemed messages from the addresses he had interacted with as safe. However, if you're a proficient hacker, you'd also contemplate the repercussions of your actions. In this instance, by eliminating spam, you risk missing crucial emails, since spam filters are never completely accurate and can mistakenly snag legitimate mail. Consequently, you'll likely need to periodically sift through your spam folder to check for legitimate messages, but you can always refine your spam filter afterward to avoid repeating the same error. While spam can be profoundly annoying, striving to filter out all spam can also engender its own issues. Final summary. The primary takeaway from this book, counter to common perception, computer programming is an artistic pursuit and a rebellious streak within a programming enthusiast can spark the genesis of remarkable, pioneering creations. By establishing a startup centered around an exceptional idea, a computer programmer could even amass substantial wealth. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading 
and happy listening.